This is the Sports Desk. Good morning and welcome to the Sports Desk on your Friday morning. Woo! Good morning to you, Michael Serpell. Savvy Manhattan, it's been an absolute privilege to witness so much sport happening this week and, of course, the build-up to the weekend. You can feel the excitement in the studios. We hope you're feeling it at home as well because this is going to be one heck of a weekend of sports, Sam. Preliminary final weekend, just off the bat. It's a great weekend. They say it's usually the fans' grand final this weekend. Pure, like pure games of footies. Just quickly over the top, what is some of your favourite preliminary final moments oh, over the Sam, years? Sam, I was thinking about this before and... Oh, there's so many great ones, and to be honest, in, in recent times, I feel like that era of Hawthorne where they won three on the trot, some of those prelims that they were involved in, they, they seem to make harder work of the prelim finals, Sam, than the actual grand finals themselves. For most times, Hawthorne would get in and they'd absolutely spank whatever team, usually an interstate club, that they were playing. Uh, one of the big standout ones that comes to mind, 2011. Can you remember that prelim final? Collingwood defeated Hawthorne 10-8-68 to 9-11-65 when Buddy Franklin kicked it from the pocket and um, rolled it along the ground, I think got it past Sam Reed. and you're thinking to yourself, my word, this is going to be Hawthorne into the grand final but then I think it was Luke Ball's snap on his left and went through, the crowd went absolutely nuts, Dane Swan had a huge night that night, 32 disposals if you don't mind and uh, I think Travis Cloak as well had a pretty big game So, and of course he featured pretty prominently in that grand final the week after but that was one of the best prelims I remember Sam and I just, I remember this vision of Alastair Clarkson punching um, the, the coach well, the coaching box down on the ground, or the or the interchange bench, and all this rain, all this water that had accumulated over the night was just spraying down. It was it was one of my absolutely favourites. I love that one, Sam. Well, what about you? Uh, you'll have to come back on to, uh, to me for that. <laughs> 2016 would be mind. right up there, surely. Uh, Western Bulldogs, GWS. Yes. Yeah, no, no, I think that's... Did that spark that little modern rivalry we got from that game? Yeah. The, what, it's probably the biggest game um, they've had at the GWS ground there. Um, yeah, um, the Western Front. Um, 55, 55 years um, the Western Bulldogs had to wait to get into another grand final. Of course, they broke that. I think it was the 62-year drought, and uh, it was a six-point thriller, and GWS... It was a, it was a game of ebbs and flows. That was that was one of my absolute favourites. And, and for all those St Kilda supporters out there, you know, we know that the grand final, the big dance, isn't necessarily um, ha- has been you know fruitful for you in the past. But two thousand and nine, Sam, uh, they yes. bet the Western Bulldogs by I think it was seven points. They reached their first grand final in twelve years, and it was that soccer off the deck by Saints hero Nick Rewalt um, in the final moments. And gee, didn't they play just some good thrillers in general, St Kilda and Western? Bulldogs in that era. I swear they always used to be slow, uh, very very low scoring games, but they were always absolute thrillers. So they're, they're a couple of my favourites, Sam. Okay, well we look forward to talking a bit more about them later, but let's get straight into the sports news today and we've got some big news off the bat. A great tennis man has retired. Take us through it. Roger Federer, um, 24-year career comes to a close, Sam. We anticipated for a while that the Swiss maestro would be closing the curtain on his um, absolutely illustrious career. He's 41 years old. He hasn't played at a Grand Slam since 2021. He was bowed out in the fourth round. He's been trying to get back, Sam. But the reality is um, he put out a tweet uh, earlier today. Twitter is still well and truly alive, as we well know. And he just said, look, his body's message to him lately has been clear. He recognises... 
that it is his time to end his competitive career. Um, and he also went on and said that uh, he absolutely loves the game. He, he says, um, finally, to the game of tennis, I love you and I will never leave you. And I think it's a beautiful thing. He also thanked uh, his his incredible supporting team, including his wife, Mirka, who has been by his side for pretty much his entire professional career. And, of course, a lot of his um, teammates and and um, and his and his coaching support in Ivan, Dan, Roland, uh, Save and Pierre as well. Um, an incredible um, support crew and, of course, his four wonderful children as well. He's just given so much to the game of professional tennis. He will play his final ATP event, Sam, next week at the Labor Cup in London, which, of course, is very fitting. So it'll be... It'll be fantastic. He, he's won so many Wimbledon titles. In fact, he's won eight, which breaks the all-time record. He's won six Australian Opens, 20 Grand Slam titles. And as we mentioned, uh, he's got millions of fans around the world. He still holds the world record, um, being world number one for a record 237 consecutive days. He won his first Wimbledon title, Sam, in 2003 at the age of 21. And since that date, he played in 21 of the of the next 28 Grand Slam finals, if you don't mind as well. So he's the first man to reach that 20 Grand Slam title mark in the men's game. So he is absolutely amazing. And uh, Sam, what are, what are some of your uh, endearing memories of the great Roger Federer? Oh, well, there's many moments. Uh, but, uh, but look, he's been a great asset to tennis and uh, always a great um, one of your many impressions. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, well, it's fantastic to be in the okay. studio, Sam. Uh, Rafael Nadal, it's uh, fantastic to be here. I just wanted to say uh, from, from my Twitter account, uh, Dear Roger, my friend, my rival, I wish this day would have never come. It is a sad day for me personally uh, and uh, for sport around the world. It's been a pleasure but also an honour and privilege to share all these uh, years with you, living so many amazing memories on and off the court. Um, so that was Rafael Nadal. Wow, okay. A good friend of, of Roger, as we know. Um, and just finally, uh, I, I just remember Roger, and a lot of people think of this grace and this just this incredible silkiness and, and um, just incredible stroke playing on the court but Sam he, he actually began his career as um, a little bit of a, of a sook um, it, it's been you know it's been well uh, I, I think published that, that he did you know have a lot of um, brain snaps and brain fades on the court early he was he was lazy at times when he when he began playing um, but it took him a little while to grow up you know where, where Rafa who we just had on, on the air then you know 16-17 they started you know really starting to win a lot of their, their major titles and you know, for Roger, it took a little bit longer. Um, he found the right temperament. Um, and I think the big breakout moment for Roger, for a lot of people that have followed his career since day dot, was that fourth round win to Pete Sampras. And, and to put it into context, Sam, this was in Wimbledon in 2001. Pete Sampras was going for his fifth straight title at Wimbledon. Um, up until that stage, he was known as the King of Wimbledon. And he had 13 Grand Slam. He had the record at the time. And in the fourth round... Roger Federer staked his claim and upset the great Pete Sampras at the time. And in 2009, Sam, in, at Wimbledon as well, um, 
Roger Federer came from behind to beat Andy Roddick, the American, and he passed Pete Sampras' record there with 15 Grand Slam titles at the time. So there's been a lot of great memories. 2009 as well, uh, Roger winning his first Roland Garros title, um, which, of course... Rafael Nadal has held for so long so that was also a great moment in his career but yeah we're going to miss Roger Federer um, he's been amazing we were all hoping that he would go to Wimbledon one last time Sam and win it and get on 21 Grand Slam titles but he's an absolute legend and uh, we're going to miss him greatly the Swiss maestro definitely some other news uh, last night of course was the Bledisloe Cup the game won uh, the Wallabies and the All Blacks from Marvel Stadium last night uh, unfortunately for Australia and the Wallabies so good uh, finished 30 I think 39-37 with a controversial decision in the last minute um, against one of the Wallabies players for apparently wasting time um, and so it resulted in a turnover and then they got a scrum with a second to go so the oh Wallabies no. Stingway Sting sting one back. I thought finally we could get one because uh, our record with them is probably not that good. So game two will be in New Zealand in a few weeks. I'm not sure the exact date. Um, and, of course, the NRL finals, of course, are in their week two. Uh, it's the semi-final tonight uh, with the Parramatta Eels and the Canberra Raiders from 750 and the second semi-final will be tomorrow from 8pm Allianz Stadium, the Cronulla Sharks and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So, of course, uh, the winner of the Eels and Raiders will play the North Queensland Cowboys and the winner of the Sharks and Rabbitohs will play the Penrith Panthers. And also, the Socceroos have released their squad and the new jersey, uh, hey. the squad for the friendly that they're going to play against New Zealand uh, next week. Uh, and of course, the the new uh, kit for the World Cup, uh, which is only just a couple months away. So very, very exciting. Uh, so when we come back, more sport ahead. We've got the AFL preliminary finals to talk about. Uh, what exciting stuff uh, we've got coming up. And of course, I wanted to play a bit of the artists that are going to get featured at the grand final next hey, week. Very good uh, Sam. on the show. Uh, so of course, we couldn't start. Uh, without playing this man, uh, let me entertain you. Oh, the great Robbie Williams, Sam. Great tune, this one. You're on the sports desk on a Friday morning.
final weekend is amazing. And, of course, we've got the big game tonight. Geelong and Brisbane Lions from the MCG 750. And uh, oh, don't we just love this weekend? Uh, I reckon these probably two of the best prelims maybe we could have gotten. It's worked out, you know, they're the right teams that should be in there, so... Despite my tip of Melbourne. <laughs> right, I like man. how you put that one in, Sam. That was good. <laughs> gosh, that just gets you... You absolutely very, very excited. Oh, my gosh. So, we'll look at the last time first they played. Last time they met uh, Geelong and Brisbane. Uh, Geelong defeated Brisbane 11-14, 80 uh, to 11-4, in round four at GMHBA. Uh, so what, what do you remember just off the top from that game? Yeah, so so that game, uh, pretty sure Lockie Neal had quite an influential game. He he had 30 disposals, 21 contestant possessions and 11 clearances. And Mark O'Connor, who did run with him the previous year, Sam, also had the job on Lockie Neal. It was a bit of a different approach from uh, Chris Scott in this game because he did say to Mark O'Connor, look, you absolutely put the clamps down on him last time and you were effective, but we want you to be more effective. So Mark O'Connor in this game had 22 disposals of his own five inside 50s and he definitely used his running attributes to Geelong's advantage. But in this game, despite Lockie Neal having those 30 disposals, he wasn't breaking the lines and wasn't having as much of an impact as he possibly could have. Even though 21 contested possessions, you think to yourself, gee whiz, he's an absolute beast. So I'll be intrigued to see, Sam, from what they learnt Earlier this year, whether Mark O'Connor, who is currently named as the Medi Sub, and we'll get into the lineups in just a second, but whether he will come in and play a role on Lockie Neal, or whether it will be a team defensive effort around Lockie Neal and trying to curb his enthusiasm and, of course, curb his influence in this game. But last year, Lockie Neal had 16 disposals where. Mark O'Connor was a pure tag. So there's some of the main things that I remember out of that last clash. But I think one thing that Brisbane Lions would be very happy with looking at their recent record is that they actually do match up pretty well against Geelong. And other than the 2020 preliminary final where it was a complete and utter blowout, Sam, they've actually got a pretty decent record against Geelong. So they'll definitely be putting that up on the whiteboard at the start of this game and going, hey, we're a real chance here, boys. And if you've seen the, I don't know if you've seen the footage, it was, it was great insight. I think Channel 7 showed it the other night, uh, where they had in the Lions room, and they had a tick next to all the grounds that they had won at. So ah, like they're this. taking everything like strategically yes. uh, and, and putting it right out there, not hiding away or shying away from anything like that. Um, so I think the confidence that they've really built over the last two weeks, because they weren't favourites when they played, uh, even though they finished higher, I still think people were more confident with the Richmond side that Agreed. was coming through. Uh, so they were probably underdogs in that, and they were underdogs definitely last weekend. Um, so going into this match, uh, just incredible bit of belief from Brisbane mm. so far. But a couple stats off the top yes. here. Uh, the Cats have been the most dominant team since the middle of the season, winning 14 games straight. Yes. And they've been well-rested, outlasting uh, Collingwood. In a qualifying final less than two weeks ago, they are two of the three highest scoring sides in the competition, uh, Brisbane and Geelong. And uh, as you mentioned, the 2020 prelim final, they last met in a stage like that. So they'll probably want to seek some sort of revenge in that. And um, we'll look at the ins and outs. Yes, we absolutely will. Sam? So Geelong have made no changes, except uh, Mark O'Connor is the medi-sub. 
Correct. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he actually comes in for the saw Cade Collajasny. Yes. Um, that's that's probably the big move that'll be sorry, Jake Collajasny. That that'll be the big move that gets made, but we anticipate that he will be okay to play. Sam Brisbane. Joe Danaher and Oscar McInerney. Ooh, so, two big tall limbs. Two big tall limbs out Darcy Force at Fort Tom Fullerton and Reese Matheson. The midi sub. Yep. Yeah, Darcy Ford, I thought, was really, really good. He came in, he played a role, and it definitely... Uh, I think Chris Fagan said it in his press conference after the game that, hey, we absolutely love our recruiters for getting him in, particularly against Geelong. His intel might be really good this week, Sam, particularly he was picked up in last year's trade period. Look, we can't go without mentioning Geelong's record in the finals here, particularly in the prelim finals. We know that they broke that hoodoo in the qualifying final. Their record wasn't so great coming into this season, but their prelim final record, Sam, since 2011 hasn't been pretty reading. It's 2-8. 2011, they won against the West Coast Eagles, as we know, to get into that flag. 2013, they lost against the Hawks by a goal. 2016, they lost by Sydney by 40 points, roughly. 2017, they lost by 61 Mm. points to Adelaide. Of course, that was Dangerfield up against his old side. 2019, it was Richmond by 19 <laughs> points after leading at halftime, Sam. Right. 2020, as we mentioned before, 40 points against the Brisbane Lions. They won that game. And 2021, last year, bowed out 83 points to Melbourne where they went on that hot streak and Max Gorn was taking the piss. So they have a bit of their own hoodoo themselves. They do. In, They've in, got to overcome this finals. one. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, now that... Um well, Brisbane are coming along in in this format, and they've been one of the sides that have been in and around the finals for the last couple of years, and they really want to crack in before it, it's too late. Uh, the other thing I was going to say too, uh, ba 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 I forgot what I was. <laughs> Well, Sam, just 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 quickly while you're thinking on that, Jared Berry, of course, got off from the tribunal. He was uh, initially yes, one week banned for um, contact, intentional contact to the I region of Clayton Oliver. Um, but after two hours of evidence and self defence, uh, should I say self defence, he ended up using as his main case point. And 20 minutes of deliberating by the jury, it was found uh, to be not guilty. And uh, Jared Berry, who did an amazing tagging role on Clayton Oliver in the second half after only having, I think, four touches of the football in the first half, will be free to play this weekend, which is a massive in for Brisbane. You think about him not playing in that game, being how versatile he was and how well he played in that second half, it would have been a massive blow for Brisbane. So, look, common sense prevails. I think they used a Jeremy Cameron um, scenario where he was grappling with another player and, uh, yeah, there was enough evidence and scenarios there to, to overturn that, which is good. But yeah, it was it was all self-defense from, from uh, Jared Berry. You don't like seeing it in the game, but I'm glad that they upheld, uh, or should I say, overturned that decision, Sam. Yeah, and a, a couple of fr- a laugh, a performances from last week that really stood up. Um, Eric Hipwood. Four Amazing. Goals wow. See, he's one of been the ones that's been just on the outer, where you've been waiting for him to kind of explode. And... Um, Look, it's just just when all these players stand up, it's, it really makes a difference, and especially for their forward, because I think they've had a problem in the last couple of seasons where their forward line hasn't been that strong, and they've got Joe, Joe Danaher in, back in, who really needs to stand up today. Um, does. Really does need to stand up. Um, uh, that first final performance he played, yes, he got a couple of goals, but it was a very, very ordinary performance. So to match match kind of Geelong's kind of forward energy, uh, yes, they brought the tolls in, but they actually need to do something. <laughs> um, and, of course, um, just just a couple of those telling, like, 
are really lifting. Like, they may seem small and insignificant on paper, but as momentum goes, like, they got a couple, two, two goals, I think it was one before the three-quarter time Correct. and one before halftime. And they were just great momentum running into the break. So they just need to be playing from that first minute to the final siren, no no stops, because Geelong is one of those intense teams. They'll grapple a hold of you if you don't let up. Any chance that they'll see, they'll punish you. Uh, and the other thing is, too, statistically, since they brought in the pre-finals by... Mm, this is a good stat. And the, yeah, the pre-finals by and, of course, the break. So I think it's one game in... Is it 27 days? Yeah, yeah, two two games in 26 days. So that's yeah, since that's right. the season concluded. So it's it's not a lot, Sam. So, yeah, so statistically, uh, there's been one of the teams that hasn't made it through who has had the break. So be interesting to see whether that is uh, Sydney or... Uh, in this case, Geelong. Uh, what are you going Gee, with? It's it's a, it's a really hard tip because we know... Look, we know how good Brisbane can be. They absolutely um, took it up to <laughs> Melbourne last week and I was absolutely impressed with the game of Charlie Cameron. I just thought his run, both defensively and offensively, some of the goals he kicked, some of his pressure acts, the way that he marks over his head, he's such a, a difficult matchup. But then I also look at Geelong and I look at Jeremy Cameron and you just see the amount of running that he does as well. And you just see the way he marks, the way he kicks. I mean, these are the two best forwards in our game and they're up against each other. And it's just so exciting. But for me... There's too much at stake, I see, for the Cats. They've had such a good season, Sam. They've been so yeah. impressive. It's so hard for me to see them lose this game, particularly yeah. in Jed Bue's 150th game as well. Yeah. They just... They, they're just they're so hard to find holes in their lineup, and I think if Geelong are to lose this game, it's going to be a mental thing, not a not a physical yeah, thing. We know course. they've got all the right attributes. It's just whether they can actually put it together on the biggest stage of all. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to tip the Cats by two goals here, but it would not surprise me if Brisbane do pull out an upset. But um, you know, and and look, there, there is quite a bit at stake for for the Lions too. We 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 know that they're going to get in the off season Will Ashcroft, and they could well get. Um, uh, Josh Dunkley as well, so they could still be quite competitive and up there for a while. But while they've well, while they've got this momentum, and while they've got this list together, they 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 should go. It's good to see players who, on the way out, who are having a good game too, uh, on his way to Collingwood. Of course, of course, <laughs> um, big Dan McStay. Of course, you're referencing there, yes. and uh, he, yeah, he really um, got used to that end of the ground, didn't he? The punt road end, putting up the big fists, yep. and uh, he's a big game player, so that'll definitely allow his well, stocks to increase. Need a few of their big game players. Look, I, I think I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I'm not brave enough just to take Brisbane oh. out on an... I, I know... You've tipped them the last two weeks, but just not today. I, I really want them to. I, yeah. I think it'd be really good. Yeah, great story. Great story. Um, but I think just Geelong, just, just. But, as as you say, I, <laughs> we've seen surprises in these we finals have. before, and if, if Brisbane bring their intensity back... And kind of d- jump them at the at the gates, but while the you know the cats have had this have this break off, ma- maybe that might just be enough. But uh, well, we'll only know at the final siren we will, at the end and of tonight. You will be there tonight, Sam. yes, exciting. Uh, Get some ex- sports desk content. Never been to a preliminary final. This is the most wow. finals ever been to. So I'm experiencing this as a first. You are right uh, in the way as this whole season. So. Uh, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere tonight for the MCG. If you can manage to get a hold of a ticket, get down. 
Uh, as we move on to tomorrow, uh, the second preliminary final, Sydney and Collingwood from 4.45 tomorrow, twilight time at the SCG. Uh, and it's the first preliminary final at the SCG since uh, Tony Lockett's match-winning point in uh, 1996. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so there's thanks, that. thanks for that, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it still hurts to this day, even though <laughs> I don't remember alive. it. I do yeah. not remember it because I wasn't alive. <laughs> still one year away. But, yeah, no, that was, that was a massive moment. Uh, so a massive final. Uh, I mean, everyone's spoken about Collingwood. They've had this momentum that's rolled on since the second half of the year. That's just been unstoppable, uh, and until of course Geelong. Uh, so if, just a couple of stats here. So forty-eight thousand tonight. Uh, it's sold out. Uh, sorry, at tomorrow at the SCG, and. Um, yeah, the form of both teams has been incredible, uh, but they've only lost two uh, in in their whole run. And, when, of course, one of them was Sydney uh, only a month ago at the SCG and a similar kind of thing. So they've been pulling all tricks out of the bag, Collingwood, this week. Um, uh, um, uh, McRae? Yeah, Craig <laughs> McRae, Craig McRae, he's uh, resized their training ground to try and match I the SCG's width. So there's all kind of old things like that. <laughs> like you don't normally see this m- much match planning uh, into a final because you, you wouldn't be resizing your training ground for <laughs> an away game. No way. But it's interesting to see that they're trying to look. Honestly, I think. Maybe two months ago, I probably wouldn't have said Collingwood might have been a well enough team to be able to do it. But I think to get this far in the competition and um, shown the, the being able to stand up, yes, a lot of them were very close wins <laughs> against some of the, but they've they've just learned along the way and then just been able to. Unfortunately, for the, in their case, Geelong, that was just a bridge too far. Will that be the same for Sydney? Uh, and they're the other team that's had incredible form. Haven't they? Um, they uh, they've won their past eight games and oh. have been unchanged for fourth straight games. Wow. So, uh, wow. incredible. So they're gunning for their first grand final appearance in Sydney uh, since losing to the Bulldogs in 2016. 2016 yes. And then, of course, Collingwood is, um, haven't been there since 2018. Of course, the Dom Sheed after the summer. <laughs> We love mentioning that, don't I'm we, not Sam? Up, I'm not <laughs> uh, um, So, look, I, I'm more lost at this one. We'll t- talk briefly about their last time they played. So it was 11-11-78, defeated Collingwood 7-8-50 at the SCG. Just t- take us briefly through that game. Yeah, Buddy Buddy Franklin was huge on this game in particular. He kicked this one goal towards the end of it, and I think we said on air after that game, Sam, after his three goals, we said, this guy is not leaving. He, he, he is well and truly wanting to stamp his mark on Sydney, and his legacy will live on. Callum Mills had 29 disposals and was <laughs> exceptional in this game. Um, really, the Pies were just really slow out of the mark, and they just didn't seem themselves. They they looked quite lethargic. There was, there was rumours earlier that week that there was a flu that went through their camp. Um, right. A lot of those listed players from the previous week did end up playing, but they certainly didn't look themselves. And and look, Scott Pendlebury did lead the way with 26 disposals, but in general, it was really... Sydney had the full game on their terms. Their exciting small forwards like Tom Papley played absolutely exceptional game. Uh, Isaac Heaney was really accurate in front of goals. So, yeah, it was really... The Swans got that game on their term, and they're just their elite kicking skills and the way that they sort of wanted the game played in their own style was absolutely on terms. And Ryan Clark actually tagged... Um, 
young Nick Dacos in this game, and he pretty much had his measure, and it didn't take until really three-quarter time for, for Nick Dacos to be moved into a different position, being uh, the back line, because I'm pretty sure oh, he may have been moved into the midfield. He may have started at half-back and moved into the midfield because Ryan Clark absolutely had his measure, and uh, you know a big talking point in this game will be where Ryan Clark goes to with his tag, because Jordan Dugowie's been in seriously good form. So... Craig McRae actually came out after this game and, and came out this week and said he didn't coach this game well at all. He, yeah. he said it was a, a failure on his coaching performance, which takes a lot of guts to actually admit that, Sam. But I think that gives the rest of the side a lot of but, confidence yeah, going... No, it takes the pressure off the players. I think it does. It's very smart. You, you, you love to see coaches who defend their players and, and, and put their yep. hand up and say, hey... I admit I'm wrong. Let's let's get it right this time. So certainly the the, the putting the lines on the oval and and in, and, and decreasing the size <laughs> of uh, AIA Park is certainly a good coaching move, Sam. I'm sure. Well, uh, look, I, I'm at a loss with this. I, I still think uh, I, I can see Sydney just playing this explosive style, um, being really good. You've seen bursts of it throughout the season, but you they do, weren't really yeah. consistent enough, I think. Um, and again, we've talking about that week off, so whether they can withstand that and bring that again. But the way they played against Melbourne, and there were a couple of passages of play down where we were sitting at the end where they just stopped that goal. They did anything to... They were so desperate. Uh, and that's what you want to see. You want them to play every second like that. Um, so, oh, look, I'm excited for both these finals. Uh, I think Sydney will just just have their hand on it, I, I think. Uh, Collingwood have put up a good fight, but I just think um, it's a bit beyond them from this, this exciting mix of young and new talent in... Uh, sorry, young and old talent in, uh, in Sydney, of course. Um, so I think they're... Well... Franklin, maybe his last couple of games. You never know. Potentially, so. potentially. has that feeling to it, Sam. Before I get to my tip, we've, we've just got to quickly again highlight it. I know you guys did it on the Monday show. Jason's prediction. Sorry, not prediction. He calls it a spoiler of uh, Collingwood getting into the prelim. He called it, I think it was maybe around around 20-odd. So he, he went pretty early, okay. and credit to him. They made the top four, <laughs> and then they made the prelim. So we, we've got to give credit where credit is okay. due. Um, and he will, of course, reveal a bit more of his uh, tips for the grand final next week, but wow, uh, I, I, I think I'm in. I think I'm in a similar boat to you, Sam. I, I think I am going to tip the Swans here, but I can easily. I think I can see Collingwood upsetting the Swans more than I can Brisbane. But I know I said that last week right. with the opposition teams, hey, well, and it went the other way. Know. So you, you just never know. You never know. Look, Jordan Dugowie has been exceptional. Uh, he's probably risen his price tag. I, I know now Collingwood are now open to negotiating with him a new contract, and I think it's probably went from 800 to 900. Why would he go anywhere else, Sam, other than the money? Because um, he's going to, he, you know, he clearly loves the culture at Collingwood and he's playing exceptionally well. He's playing career-best football. It does actually take me back to his 2018 final series, where in 2018 he was just exceptional and, and he, he nearly blew out that, that final, that, that grand final. So he, he's definitely got match-winning potential, and it's, it's whether... Ryan Clark does decide to go and tag Dugowie or whether he goes to Dacos and yep. which one will be more damaging. So it will be Sydney for me. It will be, I think, seven points. 
and I can easily see Collingwood winning this in Twilight Footy, but I am going to tip the Swans. Sam, just quickly, um, it happens every year with with interstate flights. Um, glad to hear that a lot of Collingwood oh, we supporters this on Monday. are going to yes. get the bus down there. Um, 48,000 is the absolute capacity for the SCG. Yes, um, it's, it's funny, though, because it seems like a much bigger ground when you look at it, it the overall size. Uh, I think they should increase it. <laughs> they should. I absolutely agree. So, no, it's um, Swans for me, but going to be a great game, I feel, this one. Yeah, definitely. Just quickly, do you think um, playing Fremantle might have been a hindrance? Because they're, all their games have been pretty intense so far, mm. and that's probably one where they've just eased off the pedal a bit uh, yeah. and haven't been able to... Fremantle just got walloped off the park. Oh, but do you think maybe right. or... Yes, yeah, Sam, I actually think that that could be a factor. Um, I, I know Collingwood's intensity and pressure and run and, and dare it has been so prominent all year and it's been so consistent, but against against the Swans, who you know are going to bring absolute desperation and intensity for, you know, full quarters, full four quarters, I, I, I think there is a bit of a bit of a threat there. And uh, it's it's interesting as well, Sam, they mentioned the McCartan brothers quite a bit, the, the Collingwood players this week, so I feel like they, they are incredible intercept markers and they're really good in that back line so just have a little look on on saturday evening um audience out there whether collingwood do put a direct forward on them that can sort of you know curb their um influence in the game i'll I'll be interested to see how they play that one and if you're wondering why we didn't mention the teams both sides are unchanged Unchanged, so that's that's pretty interesting whether one of them Closer to the siren makes a, a, a late change or something. It often leaves. Uh, but exciting preliminary finals this Great weekend. Rap, really going to be fun. And we're going to continue with the tunes from uh, the artists going to be playing at the grand final next weekend. Uh, and an OG one, a Melbourne band, of course, uh-huh. The Temper Trap. Hey, love it. This is the Sports Desk on your Friday morning right here on Sin. Trap fader on the sports desk on your Friday morning. And of course, one of the artists, Melbourne artists, that's going to be performing at the grand final next Saturday, the last Saturday in September at the G. It's going to be exciting. Cannot wait. Uh, but there's another grand final this weekend. Um, the VFL Grand Final, the Smithies VFL Grand Final, will be played on Sunday. Of course, it's the Casey Demons uh, and the Southport Sharks, if you believe it. Uh, a Queensland, Queensland side. South and an independent in Queensland side. So, um, Big Billy Gowers will be playing. Remember him? The yeah. Western Bulldogs forward? Oh, just, there's some great stories in there, Sam. I think it's it's great for the competition to, to make it an Australian-wide seconds competition, but they might have to tweak the name VFL, let's yeah. be real. Um, so that will be played, uh, I think it's just tw- 12. They've moved it back, um, mm. because of course the Brownlow, what we haven't yes. mentioned yet, is moved to Sunday night. But just quickly on that grand final, so. Icon Park get down. But of course, the KC Demons remained undefeated all season until, of course, they played um, the Southport Sharks. I'm wow. pretty sure. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Raise me on to it if I'm wrong. But I think I read that right. <laughs> um, so that's exciting. Always love that it's as a bit of a precursor the weekend before. Uh, and of course, well, we haven't really mentioned the Brownlow. Just. Uh, uh, just quickly, we'll do our yeah, predictions let's do a maybe quick prediction. on it. Well, it's look. There's been some great winners over the last couple of years. Sam Ollie Wines last year, Lockie Neal, Nat Five, but really out of the list of recent 
Brownlow winners, you can really only see Lockie Neal um, this year mounting a case for him. He's been absolutely exceptional from rounds 1 to 9. He's averaged 32.1 disposals per game, and in that period, the Lions have won 8-1 records, so that probably helps him with polling votes. But at the start of the season, Sam, I predicted Clayton Oliver, and from round 6 to 16, 36.5 disposals per game, uh, with Melbourne getting 7-3 record in that period, and he's just absolutely lethal with his disposal and he's been hitting the scoreboard a lot more and uh, in one of these games 40 disposals if you don't mind and four times this year he's hit that mark with a 45 disposal game 13 clearance masterpiece and uh, I'm getting texts from uh, Collingwood supporters here by the way with our our prediction rubbish Clark will be towered up by whoever tries to stop Pies easily there you go Pies fans come on text in (laughs) we love it they'll they'll be doing all right. I don't know Braden Maynard surely he's a smoky for the for the Brownlow uh, medal there. I think here. maybe Took Miller. Or, Took Miller could be a good one. Or maybe even the Patrick Cripps. You never yeah, know. Yeah, Cripper, Cripper, Cripper. Well, he, well, he didn't get suspended, Sam, so he's a very good chance. So, and of course, AFLW, week four of that this weekend. Um, of course, beginning uh, 5.10 tonight, North Melbourne and Geelong. Two hot sides in form and, um, and, and exciting. And of course, the AFLW weekend, uh, next weekend, will be in aligned with the AFLW parade. So you can go watch some back-to-back games. Games at Punt Road as well. Uh, you saying some RMIT results? Yes, it was a big weekend uh, for the RMIT Hockey Club. They had a massive weekend participating and winning in grand finals. The women's pennant D, they triumph over Craigieburn 6-2, if you don't mind. Gee, how's that scoring? They were absolutely incredible, and in their Masters, the 35-plus women's division, they narrowly missed out on their grand final, whilst the men's VLS team lost in penalty shootouts against Frankston. But well done to the women's side there with the pennant D. They did absolutely exceptional. And also, we will be covering a lot more news in the University Nationals, which kick off from the 24th to the 30th of September. The RMIT Redbacks will be taking great amount of teams, the badminton, men's teams, basketball, men and women, beach volleyball, men and women, cycling, fencing, futsal men, hockey men's and women's, lacrosse, sailing, tennis, men's and women's, 10-pin and ultimate frisbee, Sam, and RMIT sport, along with the sports desk, will be covering all the action live from Perth, 24th, 24th to the 30th of September. We cannot wait for that. Exciting, and of course, grand final week next week, and uh, we've got some exciting stuff to announce. Of course, we've got a, a special that will air on grand final day on the social media in studio. It's a TV special, of course. Yeah, this is uh, breaking. Exciting, uh, and of course, uh, we'll also have our grand final edition on Friday, a build-up, a review of the Brownlow and the prelims, and of course, on Monday afternoon uh, with Jimmy. We cannot wait, Sam. Also, shout out to my Kansas City Chiefs. They play today at 10.15am. Of course, NFL season has kicked off. We're into the second week. And Kansas City Chiefs, if you don't mind, 44-21 to against the Cardinals. And there's been a few upsets there. And, of course, Tom Brady's back playing, Sam, oh, out of retirement. So there might be some good news still for Roger the Dodger Federer. Premier League back, of course, taking the week off uh, in respect to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. So uh, a few matches again this weekend so we can get tuned back into that as we ramp up to the World Cup. So exciting world of sports, uh, and it's been a pleasure to be with you this Friday morning on the Sports Desk. I will return on Friday, and, of course, Michael will be back here with Jimmy on Friday. Uh, sorry, Monday afternoon. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for your company today and listening in from wherever you are. Enjoy the preliminary final weekend. We can't wait to have your company on Monday. Enjoy. Another artist to finish off here will be playing at the grand final next week. G Flip. This is Hyperfine on the Sports Desk. Thank you.